Almighty God. You appointed and you anointed our days, the days that we come into union through your Son to the Father by the power and equipping of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. We give you all glory and honor and praise. May your word become life and give us life today in hope. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. So continue in Acts chapter 25, beginning at verse number one. Uh, a few Shabbats ago, we were able to begin this message and I was able to spend some time talking about the Caesars, a little bit about the Roman government. So we'll proceed today and we'll be focusing on verse four. We'll launch into our deeper study of God's word, beginning at verse four, but we'll begin in verse number one of Acts chapter 25. So this is Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shalakim, the called out ones. Three days after Festus had entered the providence, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. And there the head Koinim and the Judean leaders informed him of the case against Shaul. And they asked him to do them a favor of having the man sent to Jerusalem. They had plotted to have him ambushed and killed en route. Now focusing on verse number four. Festus replied that Shaul was being kept under guard in Caesarea and that he was about to go there shortly himself. So here it shows us that Festus was already, he was very familiar with Shaul's case. And he knew that that's what awaited him to pronounce judgment sometime here in the near future. But he decided to adhere to the normal course of Roman justice. See, because the people here, both the high priest and these Judean leaders, wanted him to sway, not to follow the proper protocol to which he had been established by Caesar over the nation of Israel to rule from governmental Roman procedures, dealing with all judicial matters, whether they be secular or religious. And so this is really a test for him because they are asking him to show them a kindness because he knew this, that there would be reports either for or against him how he bent the rules to appease them as they were building a relationship because uh, Festus had to work through the high priest and the Sanhedrin. He had no choice. Otherwise, there would be reports, false uh, accusations even against him. So he chose not to be influenced, but to simply follow the protocol. Because if he was ever called before Caesar in the future, one of the questions that they would ask him was, did he follow Roman protocol? Or was he seduced by these other leaders of this nation? And so he wanted to fall back on that. 
Because as we learned earlier, the gentleman that was there ahead of time, he was swayed at times. He was manipulated by the cunning of the high priest and the Sanhedrin. So going forward here, he knew that there were unknown consequences, which later he would be blamed. He was busy to deal with the special request so that early in his term of office also that he may have suspected that everything here was not as it appears. Now, most of us, when we think of someone who's, who's gained a place of authority, like a senator or a congressman or a mayor, would not manipulate people or the facts. But we know even in our own lifetime, we've heard senators and congressmen say certain things. And when the facts of the matter came out, we realized how easily we had been manipulated. So as we move forward with this portion, he, this was not his very first rodeo. He had been put into place of authority and power and making judgments, taking all the facts in, all the testimony, and then to weigh them out so that he could get to the bottom of what the truth truly was. And so he decides to play it safe. And now he offers now a standard procedure and now the Judean leaders only now can step back and allow this. Why? Because Festus had the Roman army to back him up with their legions that were dispersed around the area. And so that's how he decided to proceed. Now going back to Acts chapter 25, verse 5. So he said, let competent men among you come down with me. Now he's asking them to choose from among yourself people who are competent, who will testify and say what is truth. Because he's laying down a red line here. If you start off with me, high priest and Sanhedrin, Individuals, and you send them bringing false testimony, then you're going to severely ruin our relationship. Because he, as a judge, is the one in authority. He does not allow people to come in, a mob to break into the courtroom and take over the, the court. He has everything in check and everyone is to follow a certain order. And by doing so, he is actually educating the high priest and the Sanhedrin, knowing that we understand your religious jurisdiction. We understand your religious rulings, but you have to follow our procedures. Because know this, that the Sanhedrin nor the high priest did not have the authority or power to condemn Rav Shaul to death. They claim that, yes, he does deserve death, 
but actually they had to go before Festus to get permission. Not unlike when the high priest judged Yeshua during his trials in with the Sanhedrin. They did not have the authority to put Yeshua to death. Rome had that authority. They did not. And if we notice in the past of knowing of Yeshua's trials, that they manipulated the situation. Because there had become a tradition, a give and take, where at this time of the Passover, that Pilate would release a prisoner. And so when Pilate presented that before the high priest and the Sanhedrin, which prisoner was to be released? Scripture records that they chose Barabbas, a instigator and also a murderer in exchange for Yeshua being put to death. And so the high priest at that time and with the Sanhedrin, not all, were able to manipulate that situation. See, this was part of the annuals of the reports that were given many years earlier. And I believe that Festus was educated on this. How Pilate had been manipulated. Because Pilate's own words said, he said this, I find no guilt in this man. And so we have that now as a background to understand why this high priest and this portion of the Sanhedrin were on the path of desiring to have the voice, the testimony, the literal life of Rav Shaul to be extinguished. And they were even willing to cross that red line through manipulation or anything to gain what they desired to come and to be made known. And when you think of this perspective, Rav Shaul as a Jewish man would think that the high priests in the Sanhedrin would defend him and his lifestyle, his testimony against those from the pagan world. So we have to look at from all these different angles to fully understand what God was doing here. He was allowing a godly man who knew Messiah intimately, who was willing to pour out his life daily even up to the point of death to share the testimony in truth, to be willing to lay down his life, to be abused, to be slandered, for all this to take place so that the kingdom of God 
would be proclaimed now to pagan rulers. For the good news comes from the Jewish people through Messiah, and the Jewish people were to be a light as Messiah shines through them to the nations. Let's go forward now back with the scripture. So he said, let competent men among you come down with me and press charges against the man. And if he's done something wrong, going forward in verse number six, after staying with them at most eight to ten days, Notice this, you get to know people after spending time with them 24-7 for 8 to 10 days. The intentions on their hearts is being revealed. Festus went down to Caesarea, and on the following day he took his seat in the court and ordered Shaul to be brought in. When he arrived... The Judean leaders who came down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing serious charges against him, which they could not prove. Think about that. We have an adversary who is Hasatan, the devil himself. Where does he have access currently? On the earth and also into God's court in the heavens. He's able to bring accusation after accusation, slander after slander against you and I. But we have an advocate before the Father who is Messiah Yeshua, And he stands up and he pleads our case before the Father. That goes on daily. So think about that. You have an advocate before the Father. And what were Yeshua's own words to Rav Shaul? He said, do not fear, for I'm sending you to Rome where you'll give testimony to the truth of the kingdom. You and I, as we live our daily life, even though we don't even think about it, the spirit of living God dwells within us and he manifests God's truth through us living out our lives upon this earth. We're giving daily testimony of the hope that is in us. See, that's how we're able to apply this to our own lives. Does not the scripture say that every word that we speak or not speak, every thought that we have, well, one day we will have to give an account to? Absolutely. So we should take our life on this earth very, very seriously. Not to live in fear, in that we think that all of a sudden, Father, through this ruach, through our elder brother, our shepherd, our advocate before the Father is going to beat us into submission. No. But to understand 
that the lives we now live since we came to know Messiah are no longer our own. We are to allow the Spirit of the living God to live in and through us and come to the place of decision in our own lives to live as Messiah, but to die to our old ways is gain. Because we have friends, we have family members, we have co-workers that are examining our daily lives. Scripture goes on to say this, that we are living epistles, living letters, giving testimony to the hope that is in us, who is Messiah Yeshua. So now as we examine verses 7 and 8 here, once again, no good case was made against Shaul. And it's undeniable to Festus. But remember this, Festus is a pagan judge. He can be manipulated. They can give him such a bribe, such pro false promises that would entice him to bring judgment to the point and says, well, I can't understand all, all your religious problems here, but now I command you, Shaul, soldiers, 8 to 10, I want you to go bring them down to Jerusalem. Don't worry, Shaul, they can't do anything to you because they will then face the wrath of Rome with all its power and authority. So this is all what's going on behind the scenes here. And Rav Shaul, who hears what the Spirit of the living God is speaking to him and revealing to him the motives and the actions, even the conversations behind the scenes, the Spirit of the living God is telling him what to say, what not to say, and is giving him the grace and peace to stand. Can you imagine this? A leader of a nation religious leader of a nation is against you and their ruling class of the Sanhedrin and now you're standing before a pagan judge who's now going to rule on your behalf. So once again, no good case was made against Shaul and once again, he defeated defeat. Defeated him, defended himself against three major possible accusers. Who were they? The Persian, the Pharisees, concerned with the Torah, the Zudukim, the Sadducees, and lastly, the Koinim, the priests concerned with the temple, and also the Roman state embodied in the emperor. But you know what's amazing here? Luke omits or he leaves out the specifics of both the accusation and the defense. He simply has his focus on what we need to focus on. See, there's always room for conjecture here. And that's what we as believers need to step away and stand away from that. Because where the Ruach HaKodesh does not fill in the blanks, 
I've learned this in my own personal life. I'm not to fill in the gaps. Because we're called to speak and allow the Spirit of the living God to speak through us with holy fear. To simply state what he desires for us to state and to move on. And the things that we do not know, we are simply to confess, I don't know. The Lord has not revealed that to me. And I trust him. So now as we go forward back to verse number eight. I'll reread number seven so you get the feeling of the context here. When he arrived, Rav Shaul, the Judean leaders who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove. And I can imagine Rav Shaul, who once was a member of the Sanhedrin, inwardly was just kind of shaking his head. They have no case against me. All these charges are false, and anyone with any common sense of judicial procedure here can see that. But what does the Spirit speak through him in verse number 8? In reply, Shaul said, I have committed no offense against the Torah to which the Jews hold and not against the emperor. Verse number 9. But Festus wanting to do the Judeans a favor. Why does the scripture record that? It records that this man who wanted to follow Roman protocol wanted to appease those that he knew because this is but one man. How much greater an opportunity for him was to appease the high priest in the Sanhedrin going forward because he was looking for a long career as a judge in Caesarea taking care of all the affairs of the Jewish people and honoring Caesar in Rome who was sending individuals to examine everything he said and done because it reflected on Caesar so going forward here. But Festus, wanting to do the Judean leaders a favor, asked Shaul, would you be willing to go up to Jerusalem and be tried before men on these three charges? And this is where the Spirit continues to speak through Rav Shaul. He says these words. These are words that Festus could not simply push under and disregard. He says these words. Shaul replied, I'm standing right now in the court of the emperor. So now for Festus to simply brush this aside and say, you know what, you really should reconsider this and go with these men back to Jerusalem to be tried there. He knows this, that he has put Festus in a position where the legitimate of his authority 
in the land of Israel would come into question. So let us go forward here. Shaul replied, I'm standing right now in the court of the emperor, and this is where I should be tried. There are times when we as believers are supposed to speak God's word that he puts in our mouth and simply stand upon his word no matter what authority or threats that we are currently facing. Do you stand on God's word and God's word alone today? Is that the compass in your life? Or are you hearing voices from the secular world or the religious world? Do you know God's word to the point where the spirit of the living God can confirm his word in your life on a daily basis? We are to be people of God's word. Because as we honor God's word, as the spirit of the living God gives that living word to us, that is God's provision and that is our safety. Did not Yeshua say, do not fear those who can kill you, but only fear him that can take your life and then for you then to face judgment. Who do you see as the authority in your life? And we as believers in Messiah, both here in America and around the world, our government is changing. You and I will be put in the place in the near future, if it hasn't already started with you, where if you speak God's word, case and example, God's definition of marriage. Is it a biological male and female, or are you of the new social teaching? It can be anything. Anyone can stand up and say, I was born biologically this, but today I'm biologically this. There's coming a time in the near future where men and women of God will be asked that question. And even if the Supreme Court of the United States rules a certain way, what do you stand upon? God's revelation of truth? or man's interpretation of things as they are and should be. That's the crux and clarification we now face in our lives. And we have nothing to fear because the Lord is standing with you. He's giving you the right words and testimony to proclaim God's word. So going forward here, Shaul replied, I'm standing right now in the court of the emperor. And this is where I should be tried. 
I've done no wrong to the Judeans, as you very well know. Think about that. Just a man. Shaul's looking eyeball to eyeball with Festus. And he's challenging him. You know, in the depths of your heart, what you perceive here as true as being true, but now you're willing to grant them a favor? He's revealing there's a duplicity in this judicial court. He's revealing for everyone. Can you imagine the centurion and the guards, the Roman guards, they're in this court? And they hear these words? How about the high priest and the members of Sanhedrin? They're now, all their mouths are aghast and their eyes are bugging out. Did he say what I thought he said? Yes. <clears throat> Men and women of God are not to have any fear. The same grace and provision that Yeshua had when he was praying before the Father in the Mount of Olives. And he said, Father, if there be another way. He was crying out of his, out of his humanity. Can you imagine the days that Rav Shaul was facing at any time? He could be put to death. He was putting his trust in the Lord. That pressure he was under. And yet in the midst of that, he walked in God's grace and mercy and boldness like the lion of the tribe of Judah who has no fear. We likewise, as we face these things in our life, accusations in our lives, we are to stand upon God's word. The loss of your homes, your loss of your employment, the loss of your, our, your IRA, this will all come into the balance, I believe, in the near future. Where is your home? In heaven. Yeshua said, he's coming back for us. Amen. He's building a home for us. Amen. He's provided, he's been spent over 2,000 years preparing your home. Think of this, prior to you even coming to know Messiah. He's already been building in that home. Are you ready? To live out your life as a holy and living sacrifice unto God? Praise be to God. Verse 11 if I'm a wrongdoer, if I've done something for which I deserve to die, then I'm ready to die. Remember, the mouths are gaped open. The eyes are being bugged out. What audacity. No fear. 
he was the man that said these words. To live as Messiah, but to die is gain. I finish the race. I've completed the course. And now what awaits for me is a crown of righteousness that no one can steal from me. And when the Lord presents me with that crown of righteousness and he walks by, I will take it from my hand and I'll cast it towards his feet in an act of worship and adoration. See, these crowns that we are going to be earning on this earth are not to build us up and puff us up, but to proclaim to who Messiah is. It is by his grace and mercy we have our salvation in and from him. If I'm a wrongdoer and I've done something wrong for which I deserve to die, then I'm ready to die. But if there is nothing to these charges which they are bringing against me, no one can give me to them just to grant a favor. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine the anger in Festus right now? And that centurion and all those Roman soldiers are just looking. Because they know with a simple movement, and it might be thumbs down or whatever their signal was, Rav Shaul would be instantaneously put to death. And the members of the Sanhedrin are hoping and praying that this reality will go, that this Rav Shaul will cross that red line with Festus, will instantaneously have him be put to death. But think about the testimony. In the midst of being so angry at this lowly Jewish apostle that the undeniable truth of his own state of not being pure in his own decision making is being presented before him. This is like a hell and fire brimstone message to Festus. And what's in the balance here? Festus' own eternal life and the Roman centurion and all the Roman guard and the members of Sanhedrin and the high priest, their eternal life is now being laid in the balance. Verse number 12. Then Festus, after taking, talking with his advisors, asked... You have appealed to the emperor. You will go to the emperor. That's his final judgment here on this matter. Now, if Rav Shaul did not press him and give him no wiggle room whatsoever, I truly believe that Festus would then have ordered the Roman guard to take him immediately to Jerusalem. But for Rav Shaul to fulfill Yeshua's word and promise to him, I'm sending you now to Rome to give testimony. 
And what's waiting him in Rome? The Roman Messianic communities are both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah. They've heard about this. Of Rav Shaul being brought before Festus. And they're waiting for the outcome. Think of those in present-day Asia Minor who are praying and fasting and interceding. Abba, Father God, save Rav Shaul. We need him. We love him. We'll end this portion of the message today. Blessed be the name of